Welcome back to the broadcast, episode number 63. Can you believe it? Once again, brought to you by the wonderful Chef Notepad. Calculate recipes and menus easily. Do all sorts of things on Chef Notepad. Check that out for free. Go to their website. And also brought to you by the wonderful Suncoast Fresh ordering app. Design your very own pantry list and order off that. Check that out as well at suncoastfresh.com.au. Um, today we are talking with the wonderful Dominic Rizzo. Rizzo, some people say, but we'll find out exactly what her name is coming up on the podcast. So she has diversified so many times throughout her career, and it's really amazing how she's just adapted to whatever the environment she's in. She's truly talented, truly has everyone's best interests at heart, and is willing to share all this amazing, inspirational information. Sit back and enjoy Dominic. Thank you for coming on the broadcast. Oh, thank you. Um, we're up here in Port Douglas. We're sitting in Harrison's restaurant and um, we're um, looking out over the beautiful pool of this beautiful resort. And um, what are you doing up here? Well, I have been invited and honoured to be part of the um, chef selection for Taste of Port Douglas, the festival, which runs over four days. And um, it's just been amazing. The last time I was up in Port Douglas was probably about 20 plus years ago. And I came up with my um, with my boss from Mondo Organics and we did a little bit of a road trip. But um, yeah, it's just exquisite. Unfortunately, I don't think I've got enough time this time around to actually go out and do some exploring. So I have I've already recalled my partner and every time I speak to him, I'm like, we've got to come back up here <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, you know, hire a car or a little van or something and oh. do a bit of a tour. I mean, it's just exquisite. Yeah, quick oh. plug for Port Douglas. It is oh. just stunning, isn't it? Like you've got the Mosselman Gorge, you've got the Dane Tree, you've got all these amazing There's things. There's so just much so up handy. here. Yeah. And if you can sort of base out of this, this particular venue, the Sheridan Mirage, Beautiful pool, beautiful place. It's, it's fantastic. So, yeah, I can see why Spencer and that do this amazing event. But um, today's about you. So I want to find out. I did some research on you and I couldn't find something that you hadn't done or you, before. So you've had restaurants, you've got books, you've got cooking schools, you've done you've done everything. Tell, let's go back to the start and how you got all those, you know, where, where did all this start? Where did it start? all start? It, you know? I'd have to say I've probably been in, I've been in hospitality since I was a little girl. So one of my first jobs, I think I was about eight or nine, and my brother was working down at a little local restaurant when we lived at Rosalie in Brisbane, and it was called the Saucy Salmon. It was salmon pink, and he didn't want to do that job anymore. So I took over, and my role was to come in on a Saturday uh, Friday and Saturday morning or Saturday and Sunday morning as well and then basically clean up after the night service so they would probably just leave all of like glasses and everything on tables and stuff like that cutlery for the later diners and I'd come in and um, clean all that up and vacuum and reset the tables and yeah so I've probably I've been in hospitality pretty much my whole life. Since eight. Since eight or nine, yeah, yeah right, I loved okay. and I love working. Mum was always kind of really sort of if you want something, you're gonna have to earn money and buy it yourself. So I mean, we got pocket money doing jobs around the house and stuff, but for other things, it was sort of we. She instilled a really good work ethic in myself and my two brothers. So it's a pattern we're seeing in these podcasts, isn't it, Scarlett? It's um, it's the the people who have had this really good, solid, hard upbringing mm. have been able to um, you know then turn that into some sort of you know success or you know it, it's, it's actually really 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 important that your yeah, kids get a bit of a a, a kickstart with good parenting so, exactly yeah. and look so since then I worked through school so through school I had jobs in um, in 
the local restaurant I worked at the uh, RNA during the ECA as like one of the assistants for the Japanese pearl exhibition, handing out the goldfish in the bag, and then working on the um, the jewelry section. So I've always I've always worked, and I've enjoyed working, and I've enjoyed kind of that financial freedom of not relying on your parents for money and having your own cash. And um, and then I think it's all I think fundamentally having that work ethic at a very young age. It also enabled me to experience diversifying myself and having my fingers in a few pies and the benefits of not relying on one sole income. So after during school, so during school I had kind of part-time jobs and I worked at another place called Famish Fine Foods, which was a new farm, which was sort of a, a foodie place. And then after I finished high school, I went overseas and um, went to Sicily and kind of hung out with my family and stayed with my nonna in a little, the teeniest of apartments where her stove, which was a little gas cooker, was actually in the toilet. So you could sit on the toilet and stir the pasta. I mean, she was quite poor and it was in a kind of a poor area of Palermo, but um, no bathroom, so no shower. I don't know how I lasted because I stayed with her for eight months and I bathed for eight months in one of like those big sort of plastic tubs that you sort of stood in. And I call that my birthing of Venus kind <laughs> of experience where it was like a sponge bath, but you sort of, you know, you adapt. And, and I think that my life and where I've kind of taken myself has really enabled me to become very adaptable in different situations and it's all accumulated to kind of my career and what I where I am now and where I'm sort of heading and I've always created my own my own destiny and my own work and what I've wanted to do so I've been very um, very proactive in my own work life and probably been my boss, my own boss for the past 20 or so years. Yes. So I've only really worked for one employer and then eventually I became partners with that employer and we opened up Mondo Organics. And um, yeah, and then since then I've kind of been my own boss, which has been sensational. Forever. Forever. And uh, so is your boss good? She's great. Although yeah. I wish you there was like more of us. You know, when you work for yourself, you're kind of like, oh, God, I wish I had another two more of me. Is there a little team around you? or No, it's a... just myself. Yeah, which, okay. Look, the downside of that, and I know this myself, is that I do have my finger in a lot of pies and I've always done a lot of different jobs. Maybe not 100% perfect in every single one of them, yeah. but I do them to the best of my ability and I put everything I have into everything that I do. And it's probably, with the start of my new cooking school, I was just sort of thinking, yes, I'm probably going to need to get someone else on board. But when I had my restaurant, um, Poutier and the wine bar, I had a PA and I had staff, you know, yeah, in the yeah, office that yeah. helped me out and stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, generally I've been working on my own. Tell me about some of the other interesting roles that you've that had, had in the kitchen. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to the travel bit next but yeah tell us about yeah, the, the so kitchen stuff i started in the soup i started my apprenticeship at 21 so yeah. it was a little bit later back in the day mm. um at um the soup kitchen at west end mm -hmm. and that was fantastic so we had a blackboard menu and it was we changed it daily so i really developed skills on how to just come up with dishes on the spot and we worked through a whole range of different cuisines so we did mm. indian greek um asian italian and i really love that i love that kind of throwing food together and kind of coming up with you know ingredients mm. and, and melding them together in different flavors so after the soup kitchen then myself brenda forden and sonia drexler who now have um 
picnic real food bar up at Mount Tambourine, mm. we opened up Mondo Organics, which was fantastic. It was the first organic restaurant on the southeast coast of Queensland, and that was in West End. And back in the day, I mean, this is back in 2000, organics was something that was, you know, it was sort of people knew about it, but it that had that expectation that it was vegan or vegetarian and, you know, hippies with hairy armpits yeah. and a health food shop and you'd open up the flour and moths would fly out and the carrots were a bit limp. And yeah. So yeah. we had a real... <laughs> that <laughs> is West End, isn't it? <laughs> Back in the day, what yeah. What do you live, Scarlett? Oh, West End, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, going back sort of, you know, 20-so years, it was... And it was a challenge because, first of all, we were three women in the industry, yeah. which is was kind of, you know, not as heard of as what it is now, having women as chefs and restaurateurs and that type of thing. And secondly, it was organic. So we had to get through to the general public that, you know, we had meat and potatoes and we did beautiful steaks and, you know, all vegetables. It wasn't just a vegan, um, little vegan place. So that went really well. And we were doing within the restaurant, and this is where this diversification comes in. And, and the more that I kind of listen to different people on business and um, even investing and those sorts of things, diversifying either yourself or diversifying or having diversification in your business is the key to success. And I think that's what I've always embraced is um, is doing, you know, having fingers in a few different pies so that if the restaurant's quiet, well, during Mondo, we had um, cooking classes. We ran a market on uh, Saturday morning. We sold products uh, like a retail range that we had. So there was always, there was different areas that could, had income streams. Does your brain ever stop? Not really. Mm. And it's exhausting. And what, that's why what, sometimes what? this morning I've just spent two hours sitting there drinking a coffee, just looking out at the pool. And I find <laughs> it in great comfort. Like I come up here by myself. I just said to my partner, everyone's got somebody and I'm here on my own. And Yeah, I left my partner at home. Yeah. And, uh, she's now listening and they've just told her that everyone bought their partner. <laughs> but um, look, I quite, I, do, I love my own space. Like I do enjoy kind of being on my, I like coming to these sorts of yeah, yeah. gigs. And normally I do come by myself because my partner works. So I um, I do quite enjoy just sitting there. And, you know, I can be happy sitting there just staring at the ocean or the pool, the water on the pool for an hour or so. I think it's really healthy to, to have a bit of time apart. Uh, oh, you know, you get stuck together too much. You, you, absolutely. You, you, not, you know, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, what else did you do? Tell so me. we had a guest house. I ran a, a right. guest boarding yeah, house called um, Rosanda. At Inogra. So while I did that, after I finished my apprenticeship too, before Mondo, I worked in retail. So yeah. I worked in fashion, women's fashion. I can tell. And worked That's why you're stylish, Kat. So a little bit stylish, yeah. So I love the, <laughs> I love the retail side of it. Yeah. But I did retail, then I was doing a little bit at the restaurant and running the guest house all at once. Oh and um, that was great. And retail is like hospitality. It's service industry. And I think I was born into, into service. Like I love... I love hospitality. I love looking after people. I love ensuring that they're having a good time, that they're, mm. you know, eating well, that they're well, you know, they're drinking well and just enjoying themselves. So that's been probably paramount throughout my career. And I remember when I was 18, when I came back from my tour, my trip to Italy, I said In to my mother. You get all the important Yes, yeah, yeah. uh, He probably loved that bathtub. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I said to my mom, I really want to, um, I'd love to do like tours and, you know, see the red checkered tablecloth. That's the red checkered dress that I'm wearing. I'm very <laughs> Italian today. Um, you know, the red checkered tablecloth out on a big long table and have people eating food under the grapevines and that type of thing. And Beautiful. it took me 20 plus years to 
get there. But it was something that I put out there. And I think my philosophy is I always kind of throw out to the universe what I'd like to do. And then I scramble like a crazy duck to get there and make it happen. So. Yeah, good. And, and not even knowing um, how, nearly till you get to the end or, or yeah. But yeah, um, what what what's what's inspiring you at the you know to, for these recipes? Now I read you, you you love healthy food that everyone can eat. That's a bit of a basis of some of your books. Yeah, I've got one. I've only written one book, but I do a lot of recipe development. So I'm a culinary consultant at the moment. So I do a lot of. Um, uh, recipe development for um, Tears Australia at the moment, but I've written a lot of recipes for different companies, different products. And yeah, my I do really, my philosophy myself, for myself, and I suppose what I love to kind of put out there as my cooking style is a simple rustic style um, balanced with a focus on healthy whole foods because I feel that vegetables, uh, vegetable dishes, is something that people get a bit stuck with. Mm. I think we're all kind of cool with like cooking a piece of meat, chicken or fish. But when it comes to the other side and incorporating, you know, your five cups of vegetables and healthy legumes and herbs and that type of thing, I think people get a bit stuck and are yeah, sort of still steaming broccoli and cauliflower and, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, we really need to move into that because vegetables are just so underutilised. Yeah. Just, Look, you know... Look, I, and this is, you know, when I do my food tours, particularly to, to Sicily and, and throughout, um, you know, Spain and Europe, where I go, but particularly down south, they have these incredible buffets of just vegetables. So antipasti. So we think of antipasto as salumi and cheeses and olives. Well, the Sicilian antipasto is just like a smorgasbord of, of vegetable vegetables. dishes. Yeah. So it could be eggplant done in six or seven different ways. And you'll have cauliflower, which is just simply boiled with, you know, olive oil and lemon, or there's tomatoes, different, you know, all sorts of different vegetable dishes. And that's what inspires me to kind of create healthy vegetable dishes and a healthy lifestyle. But I'm, I'm in the belief that all in moderation. That's that blue zone in uh, Italy as well, where Absolutely. they're eating sardines, they're eating vegetables. They're just mm. walking a little bit, having a little bit to drink, not 25 drinks, just coming in and having Absolute. a little bit of yes. wine. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that great food combining of legumes and pasta, you know, they have a lot of their pasta dishes, uh, pasta con fagioli, which is, yeah, minestrones, where you've got a oh. little bit of pasta with all the vegetables. So yeah. they'll have a little bit of meat, but lots of vegetables and um uh, possibly a small amount of potatoes. So they, they eat extremely well. That Yeah, I agree, that whole blue zone, that whole Mediterranean diet, which is I think has been classed as one of the best diets in the world. Yes, it has. Mm. I'll take you back a little bit now. Um, I remember seeing you on TV at a little program called Ready, Steady, Cook. Yes, <laughs> yes. So that was like, that was a great experience. And I think it was a, it was a sensational launching pad for a number of big name chefs now, yeah. where we all started on Ready Steady, Alastair, yeah. Manu, um, Matt Galinsky, Matt Galinsky, um, yeah, um, I think even um, uh, George Conbaras. Yeah. You know, a lot of us kind of were on, like, there were, yeah, back in the day. I think if that's over, like, that'd have to be over 10, 15 years ago. Uh, it's, it's probably but 20. But I tell you, I over 20, I do you think? Probably 20. Oh, gosh, <laughs> but uh, it's, you know, it's still to this day, and I was talking to Alastair yesterday when we did the long lunch, um, you know, still to this day we get people coming up going, oh, my God, I loved you on Ready, Steady, Cook. Like, it, there's an underground <laughs> really? cult of, because it was back in the day when people were either dropping their kids off here, so it was before pick-up for school. Yep. It was the perfect time that I think that shift workers used to kind of change shifts, students were into it, and it was, the, it was probably one of the first good food reality shows where it wasn't about the bullshit, excuse mm. my language. Like mm. it was about chefs 
We got the ingredients. We didn't know what the ingredients were, so it was really off the cuff that we had to come up with. Oh yeah, these well, that, that was I was going to ask you. It was it real? Yeah, it was real. Yeah, yeah, it okay. was real. And like, fair enough. Like when the ad, um, when it was ad time, we may have got a few more minutes to finish the dish, but fundamentally, we did not know what was in that first bag. They gave us a bit of a clue for the second bag, where we used to cook off against each other. Mm. But that first bag of ingredients, when the um, person from the audience had kind of come up, we, like, you know, as they're pulling out ingredient, it'd be pineapple. And my brain would start going, okay, pineapple, I can do pineapple dessert. And then it'd be like, oh, zucchini. Okay, pineapple zucchini, right. I could do maybe like a stir fries, sweet and sour. And then it'd be like, oh, nori. Oh, right. Okay. Now pineapple wrapped with nori, I've got to change it to Asian. So each ingredient would come out and your brain would just quickly click into, okay, what can I do with all oh, that ingredient? And then you just have to change tact all the time. Did you just stuff any of them right up and just go, I just, I just mess this Not up? Not really. No. So I'll oh, look once I remember. <laughs> one of my chicken was un- a little bit under so I sneakily just said to the um, the guest it's like I'll just eat it from the edge <laughs> but generally because and I think that was from my experience of working at the soup kitchen that I was able and this has been I suppose one of my skills has been able to throw food together really easily and quickly so I didn't have formal French kind of culinary training. I kind of had the training that was like real life, real cooking, real kitchen training Mm. where you're given ingredients, make something. And that's, I think that put me in a really good um, stint for Ready Steady Cook where I was able to kind of come up with ideas and interesting ideas are a little bit outside the box. And that's what I tried to do during the show was really come up with some creative ideas that people may not have heard of, but still simple enough that people would go, well, I can do that. And I've got those ingredients or I could substitute. And that's what I'm a huge fan of is not being stuck inside a recipe, having that flexibility of being able to step outside of a recipe and incorporate other ingredients that are seasonal or yeah. something that you How do we have. translate to the general public that? Because as I'm also a chef, and and you, you sort of get it, you know what to do with stuff. But how do you how do you get that into the general people? Because they're still steaming the broccoli, like you said. And you know, there's there's a little bit out there, and following recipes to the T. That's like you said, is is tough. Yeah. How well, do we, how do we how do we is is it that we just get back to? Well, we're going to teach you how to pickle. We're going to teach you how to make a pasta. We're going to teach you how to... And then... Yeah. That and is I think it, that's isn't with it? the cooking classes or, yeah. you know, that education, educational side of my career, which I love, which is through my cooking demonstrations and um, different gigs that I have that I'm standing in front of people or standing in front of crowds or cooking classes that I've been running since, you know, the days of Mondo, that I get the opportunity to to kind of help people get the confidence because cooking is about confidence. That's all it is. And mm. once you've got that confidence of being able to put ingredients together, I think then you feel a little, you feel better about walking into your fridge and opening up and going, oh, great. Yeah, look, I know that, you know, chicken, that would go with, I can do soy, ginger, maybe throw in some coriander. I've got Italian basil. That would work as well. You don't mm. have to have, oh, no, basil only goes with Italian. Or mm. Coriander only goes with Asian. Um, And when I do my classes too, I don't give people a recipe to follow. I've been to classes where you get, they give you the recipe and it's almost like you're in the class. I said, well, that's not learning. You're not Mm. learning anything. You're sitting there following a recipe, which you can do at home. So my classes, I don't give people the recipe and I talk them through it. We taste as we go and we add a little bit and try that. No, it needs more, you know, because Mm. you're generally cooking for sort of anywhere from eight to ten people. Um, and I find that people come away from that going, oh, my God, that's fantastic. I love that dish and I cook that. You know, I get great feedback from people who have come to a class and they have gained that confidence and they're able to then go home 
time and throw something together or use that base recipe to then create something else knowing yeah. that that ingredient will work instead of this. What sort of crowd are coming through the cooking classes? Or, oh, look, or, you know, any, I get everyone, any yeah. from young to older, uh, you know, anywhere from sort of 12, 13, younger, up to sort of 60, 70s. So, and all, of all young, people, people that can young cook. young blokes? Young Men, blokes, no. yeah. And I specifically, when I had my restaurant, um, Putia, and I was doing classes there, I specifically did classes for men i think there's a lot of fellas yeah. out there that are talking for their kids they're separated a good idea. And, you've already had it okay you know yeah so well, well that and and just how to cook a you know like how to cook a nice meal for your girlfriend exactly you know? i just i think the skill of cooking and i was talking to a um a couple of home ec teachers and and a couple of girls on the plane actually coming up and just saying that, you know, a lot of kids these days in their teens have got no life skills. Like they don't, you know, they're going to be leaving home not knowing how to kind of cook themselves a basic meal or how to shop for ingredients or how to kind of buy one lot of ingredients that can give them five meals. So I think so that's really lacking. See if you can come up with a little ready steady test for you. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to do an ingredient one, but give me 10, 10, 10 dishes or 10 things that you need to have a base for, for life to take off. Say you've got some an 18-year-old leaving home. Yep. Uh, what, what are the, the, the 10 skills that you think they should have to just go? It, it, regarding in just in yeah. the kitchen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. cooking. Yeah, Cooking-wise? Yeah. Wise, yeah. Um, I would say... I would say definitely to be able to either cook a steak, cook a piece of chicken, cook something in a pan, to get, like frying pan or cooking on the stove in a frying pan, I think is important. Knowing um, how to cook in an oven and temperature-wise and, and checking if something's done oven-wise and roasting vegetables and all that type of thing because it's so easy to throw like a chalk and a whole pile of veg in a tray and throw that in the oven and you've got dinner. Mm. Um, poaching, steaming, boiling, ah, I think, good. is integral. What, and also, What's the book called? Is that the Crackman and Copeland, the 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 the, the, the cook book that you get at TAFE. Oh yeah, the um, yeah the cookery, uh, yeah, that, the cookery. Yeah. I've still got. I believe I've still got mine. Yeah. I do have my. TAFE I actually, book I took that a photo put on Instagram story. Chefs went crazy. Like, yeah. Oh my god. I know. So sorry, I interrupted. So but, um, you've got cooking, boiling, steaming, oven, uh, pan on top. Yeah, so, and then also your basic sauces. So like a tomato, making a basic tomato sauce, a yeah. white sauce, like a bechamel that you can yeah. use for lasagna, spinach pies, you yeah. know, make your cannolis, that type of thing. Um, I think pasta making may be taking it a bit far. I mean, you can buy pasta cheaply and I don't know whether you need to be making yeah. pasta from scratch. But then I think integral ingredients like olive oil, tins of tomatoes, some tins of legumes, a few grains, rice, you know, risottos, maybe some, um, yeah, dried pastas, those types of things. Things that you can kind of add to fresh food to either bulk it out um, and also cooking grains, I think, are really important. They're cheap. Mm. They can bulk out food. They give the great iron, great protein. So soaking of grains and cooking grains like lentils or, uh, uh, you know, whole grains like barleys or rice and those sorts of things I think are important yeah. to know how to cook that. And even microwave cooking, like, you know, doing something easily in the microwave. So I, I just I, discovered. Yeah, you had me until you said that. I just discovered <laughs> a one-minute microwave meringue. Like, Ooh, and I swear to God, God, I told a whole, I did the um, Home Economics Institute of Australia um, conference and I told the teachers about this microwave meringue and they were blown away. And it is exceptional. 
So that's something like if you are, you know, if you're going to be cooking for your girlfriend and you're going to, you want to do like a gorgeous pavlova, but the whole thing about having it in the oven and getting it right and taking it out the right time mm. or letting it go so it's nice and crispy on the outside and soft in the middle. This one here, it's like, bing, microwave done. Now ice it with, you know, fresh cream and strawberries and you've got a dessert. I think you just want the microwave not to ping in the day. You can't, have a, <laughs> you can't be cooking for someone at, in a date situation and have a microwave ping. That's something that you can prepare ahead of time. But yes. I think everything has its place. And this is what I say about equipment too. You know, I love all my I love all my appliances equally because they do all different things. It's like children. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you can't, you can't favour one over the other. But um, I'm a fan. You're the fan. <laughs> <laughs> how are you looking after yourself? Like, how are you you staying personally sustainable? You yeah. Know? And I think I was talking to the boys. This is a, you know, I'm up here with Philip Johnson and uh, Jake Nicholson and yeah. Austin McLeod and we've got Laura and, um, you know, and we were all sort of chatting and, and maintaining yourself in the industry it's funny it's hard like it's hard work You're i mean i've always, had a back operation yeah, my wrists okay. are starting to kind of get a bit cracky and kind of they've sort of weakened over the years you know i've got really bad veins on my legs okay <laughs> let me read <re-rate laughs> what do you wish you'd done <laughs> <laughs> but i have actually no throughout my whole career i've maintained exercise so i do i've exercised pretty much and tried to maintain a very healthy lifestyle so i have um, I'm not a big drinker at all. A couple of glasses of bubbles is my fall Good. down. That's, so, that's, that's probably the secret, actually, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so what sort of And exercise? eating really well. Oh, look, I've done gym? Pilates, personal uh, yeah. training, okay, walking, stuff. yeah, swimming. I've done everything. Yeah, okay. Yeah, gym, going to gym. So I find that that's a really awesome balance. Yoga, um, a bit of everything. Yeah. I always like to touch on, just so we can share the ideas if there's any, but, you know, from a plastic uh, sustainability type sort of Thing in, in your kitchens mm. you know have you come up with anything new or are you doing anything different to other people are you just putting a cabbage leaf over the top of things instead of glad wrap or what well, i use those wax i love those wax um, oh, yeah, those yeah. wax covers so oh, at yeah, home, yeah the beeswax ones the beeswax yeah, yeah. covers i yeah. use that i use eco um baking paper but i have found uh, which i'm going to be getting for my new cooking school is the reusable baking papers that you can get oh yeah yeah so you just have 20 sheets and you just wipe them over um, they're like a cooking, a they like, recyclable they, cooking they, they, sheet. They're they, almost like those, um, the rubber ones that you can... You know what, they're actually a pain in the bum to wash. Are they? Yeah. But wouldn't you just wipe... I'm thinking you could just wipe them over. Uh, they get. They seem to stay oily. You've you got to really soak them and wash oh, them. Oh, do you? You might want to try I'll that. give them a try yeah, and yeah. see how they go. But look, also, you know, with at home, I, um, I've got a fabulous big kitchen garden so and i've got four chickens i've got about a thousand worms um how how often do you count the worms i count them reasonably regularly (laughs) i go down and see them regularly i talk to them i have a look under their little blanket and see how they're going and that's super important that's super important to one have worms one have chickens and one have a garden i think that that is um something that probably everyone should have at least once in their life for a couple of seasons to understand the appreciated vegetables. I do too. Um, I, and for me, going down and, you know, seeing the girls, and I call them collectively the girls. I don't have individual names for my chickens. I've got four and they're the girls. so but, weird when you're reading them. <laughs> but um, I, that for me, you know, that it just kind of, I'm a bit of a country girl and I love, you know, my family in, in um, Sicily, they had pigs and farms and that's when I first was, I suppose, kind of introduced into that kind of really rustic Italian 
lifestyle was when I was really a little, little girl and when we had one of our first trips to Italy. Yeah. And um, my uncle was, he had a pig farm and then they had orchards, orchards of lemons and oranges and then the broad beans and, you know, they'd be killing rabbits and there was a pig hung up in the and the um, open garage and they'd be cutting it open. And I saw that when I was probably about four or five years old. I remember I was in a party dress, we were going to some christening or something, and I was just gobsmacked by this pig being hung up. Mm. You know, its guts kind of hanging out, the dogs are running around drinking the blood off the cement. It sounds gory, but for me, as a little girl, I just, I couldn't believe it. I just thought, my God, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Mm. And then just kind of growing up, running after chickens and, you know, collecting Uh, eggs uh and... I wrote down this, you know, what are, what are kids missing in the city? And it's, you've probably just that's said it what it, I think yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. It's that connection yeah. Okay. to, yeah, to kind of where the food comes from and, and that appreciation and respect for farmers, for produce, mm. for, you know. Your, and farming's changing as well. You know, like a lot of it's gone big and hasn't, you know, there's not as many little farms. No. And, I, and I think I like the idea that the, Back that you had the vegetable patch, and that, that's just a smaller version of what you saw as a little girl. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's a manageable version for myself and my partner, and also you know, moving into kind of opening up my new cooking school. It's it's an aspect of urban living, and this is why I called my cooking school Urban Feast. Is that it's living in the burbs because I'm smack bang in north side of Brisbane. You know, the houses everywhere, but and creating my own little kind of trying my little sustainable. You don't have to be sustainable at everything. But I think to have a sustainable footprint... I love your philosophies. I love it. Yeah, you know, a little sustainable footprint as best you can, and that's what I try and do. Well, if you just make your... You know, Scarlett and I often say, if if we get our backyard right, you know, that's your house, you do as much as you can there, and then the next-door neighbour does his. Exactly. And that happens all over the world, then we might be in a bit of luck. Yeah. So we've got vegan neighbours, and so I'm always... um, Of course, I don't get the eggs, but we give them (laughs) lots of greens, and um, I'm always, if I cook anything vegan, you know, we hand it over to them. She makes gorgeous pottery. So she kind of gives me some of her beautiful pottery. And she's selling her house. That's the value is going to go up because you're <laughs> next door. I think. <laughs> well, funnily enough, when I opened up um, Putia Pure Food Kitchen in Banyo, so yeah. I was in Banyo, and a little suburb Banyo, people go, "Oh, yes. where's Banyo? Why would you open in Banyo?" But there was nothing there. And what's, when I what's opened, Banyo mean in Spanish? No, Banyo is um, an Aboriginal word. Oh, yes, because so. it's a very much Banyo Nudgy. There's a lot of um, watering holes. There's borer rings, so it's a very um, kind of sacred ground. A lot of edibles sort of around. They do sort of edible tours and stuff around Banyo. But um, when I first opened in, we sold in 2019, and then I opened probably four or five years before that. So it's uh, 2014. Yeah, I, I, I went there a few times actually. Uh, Brendan, one of the one of the key players at Suncoast Fresh, um, he um, yeah he lived in Gold Street, just around the corner. Oh uh, right! So oh really? We were, we were regular there. Actually. Yeah, yeah. We used to have little meetings there all the time. Yeah, so, so it's really it was and I, look, you know, we used to get all of the um, real estate would come by and take pictures and videos because that and people would go, oh god, there's a gorgeous cafe, right? We'll buy yeah. it. And people literally came in and said, oh, we bought around the corner because you guys were here. It is a big. So it's an important. Thing. It's a draw card. Yeah. It's a huge draw card having a really gorgeous cafe. And my focus and philosophy with Patia was, you know, it was there was a lot of um, plant-based vegetarian. We did do meat and, of course, you know, breakfast. We were very breakfast-lunch, but we had a lot more women as clients, I suppose, because I'm a woman and I tend to cook what I like and what I would like to eat, but with a bit of a um, meaty influence, I suppose, for 
for blokes and kind of balancing out that menu. But we had a lot of women clientele who would come in and do lunches. And so, you know, a lot of the food was um, healthy, light, fresh, using lots of whole grains, herbs. I'm obsessed with lemons. So lemons is in everything. Um, and, yeah, and then I had the cooking classes and then my partner opened up the wine bar next door, which was huge because the area they did a survey sort of saying what would, what do you want in the area and it was like a gelati bar and then a wine bar was kind of second on the list for the community so wow. the wine bar was really well accepted and that was called Clapham Junction because the original Banyo train station was called Clapham Junction back in the day and then it got changed because they didn't want to be called the clap that's fair enough so right. yeah, it yeah. got changed yeah. no to Banyo <laughs> Uh, another subject I like to throw on nearly every podcast is just uh, waste, um, like food waste and kitchens. What, um, and once again, just so we can sort of share and learn from each other. Mm. Um, yeah, any tips or tricks there? Yeah, definitely. I think get in touch with like Coffee Grounds. Um, coffee Grounds fantastic for gardens and I have know a lot of restaurants and cafes now. I mean, you go through so many. I mean, Coffee Grounds are Do you have enormous. to microwave them before you do it to get rid of any pathogens or something? Because I know Yoast does the uses the coffee grounds in that mushroom wall that they've got a yeah do they mi- and they need to and microwave I, and them i think he micro zaps them first to get rid of any of that because you know i've thrown in the garden and it looks moldy or you yeah you've plants. really got to dig it in yeah you've got to dig it into okay. the garden i'm not sure about the microwaving yeah. but i do know that um well don't we were kind of oh, you better check with you yeah check with that. that yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's everyone like microwave so yeah. this is where yeah, microwaves yeah, yeah. come in handy ah, to do right, your coffee yeah. that and date night radio and your one-minute meringue. Yeah. What's the what's the one message you want to get across at your cooking school? Like, um, I read somewhere you said everyone can cook. Did you steal that from that ratatouille? That was his philosophy as well. <laughs> no, no. Everyone can cook. <laughs> Do you know my philosophy? My philosophy, and this is the one that I came up with, was that um, through the sharing of food, we we share life, and no one is and one is never lonely or hungry. And I think it's just really that, you know, food is such an incredible vehicle to kind of cross so many so many borders of discrimination and um, and connect and, and just connection with people, no connection with different nationalities, connection with communities, connection with different, you know, different people from different socioeconomic backgrounds. I mean it's such an incredible vehicle. And I think for me, through the cooking school, I really want people to come in, feel like that they're in another country, you know, when you go traveling and you go and do a cooking class in someone's home and it's just you come away with this wonderful yeah, yeah. experience, you walk in and you're not, you don't know what to expect and you're just being like, oh, my God, that's, that's what I want to create is this whole kind of experience. And, and for people to come away with just an insight, a bit of inspiration with food, some confidence about what they're doing in the kitchen. If they're great cooks, we'll maybe learn something that they may not have done before. If they're not such a great cook, we'll potentially come away with some skills that they can throw together some really I love what you dishes. just said. And, and what you just said then was your just cause and why you're doing things right. And I think that anyone who's starting a business, you have to have what you just said. That's That was your why. You, yeah. just, said it, you just said it so eloquently and so... You know, with beautiful confidence, and you know it. So, a lot of people don't know why they're opening a business, or you know what, what you know, we're going to open. I like making coffees or open a coffee shop. That's yeah. not that's not it. No, you it's, know, that's it's a bigger thing. It's a community. It's and and really, when you think like that, that's the businesses that make it. You know, and, and if, yeah, look, unfortunately for me, I'm not about money. Good. Well, money's, you know, <laughs> like, I always say, money's you know, like if it's money has never, it's a result of good money business has potential. never driven me. Yeah. And I'm a very generous person with my time that I give, with my energy that I give in everything that I do. And even at the restaurant, you know, I was always, 
you know, talking to people yesterday about travelling to Italy and you have a, when you order an aperitivo and then, you know, you get olives and snacks and focaccia <laughs> and nuts and you've got almost a banquet on the table. And you've Before just, you have an you've order. Bought yeah. an, you know, yeah, yeah. you've bought, you've a, bought a, a glass Aperol of spritz. wine. <laughs> that's right, an Aperol spritz or something. And that's what I used to do at my restaurant. You know, while people were waiting, if it was, you know, if we were flat out and I knew that there was a bit of a yeah. wait, we'd have olives, we'd send out nuts, we'd yeah. send out bread. And I just, you know... That yeah, abundance, that Italian, that that embracing people, that welcome. generosity, yeah. the welcoming and the generosity of food, of spirit, of yourself, that's what I really, that's me. Like that's what I kind of give when people come into my restaurant, when they come into my cooking school. It's almost like I sometimes give too much because people leave going, oh, my God, Dominique, you never stop talking. Mm. We're overloaded. But, I mean, I've accepted that that's who I am. That's what I do. And for a long time, you know, and, and particularly as women, we're always comparing ourselves to others. And, you know, when you're in the chefing world too, it's like, oh, my God, am I as good as that person or they're better or they know more or... You know, but finally at 50, I've kind of gone, Dom, this is who you are. Yeah. This is what you do. And it's fantastic. So just keep doing your own, you know, keep What's your advice for those people job. who are, you know, going through that comparative time in their life where particularly with social media, all the stuff. Oh, it's forever. immense. It's immense. Get off social media, yeah, firstly. Yeah. Like I find that I do social media only to really connect in, connect in with people that I know and I kind of, and connect in with suppliers and, and products and stuff like that. And I do, my side of social media is more about what I'm doing work-wise as opposed to my personal life. I don't kind of, yeah, put out a lot of personal stuff. Yeah, well, the, the, Because mainly I'm working anyway. So generally, I, you know, I'm up at Port Douglas. I'm at the Home Economics. I've gone yeah. flowing somewhere. I'm on tour. I'm setting up my cooking school. Um, How long yeah, till the cooking school opens, actually? It's look, next year. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep. So I've got some awesome sponsors. I'm just waiting on some um, beautiful appliances from Bertazzoni. I've got Smart Stone, um, Stone coming. So, oh, yeah, I'm hoping that... Collaborations. Collaborations, oh, which are yeah. fabulous. Yeah. And that's what I love, too, is collaborating with uh, producers that I come up with recipes. They give me products and we work in this lovely kind of synergy. Yeah. Of sort of just helping each other out instead of, you know, well, it's going to cost you $2,000 for one recipe. You know, it's yeah. like a one-off thing. I love yeah. building relationships and yeah. nice. keeping that going. But, yeah, I think with the comparing thing, especially if you're a young female chef in the industry, it's, you know, it's a lot easier now than what it was sort of 20, 20, 30 years ago when, you know, the treatment of chefs, I think, as apprentices was harsh, whereas now I think there's a lot more respect in kitchens it's There's a, a lot more opportunity. It's a, it's a tight space, you know. You're on top of each other. It's hot. It's, it's demanding. And back in the day, it was would have been my day as well. I think we were pretty much the same age. Mm. And um, yeah, it, it was a it was a tough environment. And I don't I don't think there is a. a it's almost like in those kitchens for me back in the day, the gender there wasn't a gender during service. But you know, I think to the challenges of of getting it, you know, and you know, for women was, was, mm. was immense. Mm. But um, but in the heat of the moment, in the service, I, don't know, I felt like gender went out the window. It was like, yes, okay, we're yes. all in this. We're all like, in it I, together. Like, look oh, out. Exactly. I'm going to burn you if you don't fucking yeah. move right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think just kind of, you know, stick to your own gun. And I, the, another thing that I say to a lot of young people as well is that you don't, like getting into hospitality, there's so much opportunity 
in hospitality doesn't mean that you're going to be stuck at being a waiter or stuck in a sweaty kitchen. Like, you can travel the world. I mean, I sort of say to young people when I, you know, work, do, um, do demos or um, stuff at TAFE or at schools and that type of thing, I said, you know, look, I'm... I travel around the world, I work with big companies, you can work in TV and media, you can you can basically do almost anything under that umbrella of hospitality or get that skill. But I think it's important to have a skill mm. that at a young age that can kind of take you in a lot of different areas. But you've got to be proactive with yourself to push yourself as to where you want to go. You can't just sit back and kind of go, oh, well, I'm just going to wait for it to happen. And that's probably what I've been really proactive in my own life going well this is what I want to do and how do I make that happen and then go and do it tell me about your trips your <gasps> tours are you going to do them, you gonna do them again yeah next year I'm hoping to start back up yeah. so I've been running my food tours for about seven eight years I haven't uh, an awesome I've made some fantastic relationships uh, both in Sicily Spain and, and kind of wherever I tend to travel um, Sicily probably is going to be my first ones that I'll get back into because that's my homeland of my father and, uh, you know, somewhere that I'm very passionate about. And, um, yeah, look, they're incredible and I've had, the, I've had amazing feedback from people that come on my tour. Some people have done three, two and three tours with me to the same place. Like we go back to Sicily, but they change, my tours change all the time. So you pay one price, you get your own flights because I don't want to do, I don't do flights. So you just pay the one price for the tour and everything is included. So you, I'm not, you know, again, it's that abundance thing. Yeah, I don't yeah. like that. Oh, I had a drink. I didn't drink of that. I only had two glasses of wine. I hate uh, that stuff. I just think you can come along, you then you eat as much as you eat and drink as much as you want don't eat and drink as much as you want um but yeah they're extraordinary so we do mainly sicily i do half uh, sicily the eastern coast with the aeolian islands so the volcanic islands off the eastern coast which are just stunning wow and then we do kind of western a bit of western sicily including kind of palermo and um you know trapani and then those agati islands and then um a tour of the whole of the island so i did a 23 day tour of sicily we all put on about seven kilos but <laughs> it was sensational yeah do you do did i read somewhere do you, you do like couples and a, some, anyone. Some, some just women ones as well well i do yeah i mean i can organ i can do kind of privately um, private tours where if, you know a group of women want to just go on their own but generally it's uh, you know whoever wants to come singles couples and I generally have a great mix of people and generally people who like um, like as you know associating with other people though who are quite chatty I mean you don't go on a you don't go on a group food tour yeah. if you don't like talking to people so they're very small <laughs> do you you know what I mean and you love doing your own thing you go yeah, on a food yeah. tour because you kind of you know you're happy to kind of sit with a group of people who are like-minded who enjoy the same thing yeah. um but mine are very small groups so I only take kind of 10 to a, 10 to 12 people so it's not a massive I don't do 40, 50. I like it small so we can go to really bespoke uh, slow food places. We've got a small small bus that can get into like little windy roads. So you've got a big flag you walk around with in front of everyone going, whistle? (laughs) Not at all. I carry a cannoli and they all just follow me. (laughs) (laughs) Cannoli and a glass of wine and they go, there's Dom. But, um, yeah, no, look, they're fantastic. They're really good and I've, yeah. And they're a great opportunity for people um, to come along and because you don't, 
like I'm at the stage too where I it's exhausting to organise travel. You know, you're organising hotels, tours, transport, transfers. Um, you know, you want to go and see all the top sites. You want to see eat at the at the best restaurants. I just you need know. to thank my wife for doing that for my whole entire life. Yeah. Thank you, darling. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm sure she'd love a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But for people that don't, you know, just want to book and have everything done for them, yeah. it's, they're just, they're perfect because yeah. we really, I don't cram in too much so that you're exhausted, so you get time yeah. off to kind of spend yourself and do your own exploring, but then there's enough of everything else that you get to do food wine architecture history um you you know we cover everything and also i do make sure that i test all the restaurants i go to all the hotels because as you know you look at a picture and then of course we've all had this experience is any part of your life not a tax deduction I don't know. I thought about that the other day. I'm like thinking, yeah, but this year I said to my tax man, I said, listen, I want to be paying any bloody taxes. I'm still paying off from the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. But that's the thing. Like I just kind of, I really thought after Mondo, I was like, what do I love doing the most? Yeah. And, you know, they say that you, you know, you find out what you really love doing and you can do it for the rest of your life. Yeah. And, that's and you'll what never I, work a day or whatever it no, is. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's what I've done. Even though I do work almost every day, but yeah. little bits, but yeah. then I have time off in between. So I do kind of, you know, I have, which, but I like it though. Like yeah. I love, you know, while I'm here, I'm sort of, I'm touching base with, um, you know, with my um, consultancy work and kind of. Um, you know, I've got to taste sauces and I'm putting together um, samples to sort of go down to the food co down at Woolies and we're having presentations of tasting. So I'm working with food service, I'm working with, you know, um, uh, product development companies and it's, you know, doing back, uh, back of house stuff for um, videos for Aldi and um, on uh, Meat and Livestock Australia. And so all of that, I love. Like, I love just kind of, I love that diversification. I can't imagine how many emails you must get. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, a lot yeah, of emails. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, delete, delete, delete. And, and then he, my partner, my beautiful partner, just sort of slots in. Yeah, yeah. Good, yeah. Good boy. That's what He's, I mean, that's what, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's hard finding them. You know, yeah, but yeah. ladies out there listening, if you're in the similar kind of instance like me, that you... Yeah, you do a lot of stuff and you just want someone that can kind of fit in. They are out there. It's hard. Yeah. I went through a few, but I finally found one. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, tell me any any really uh, good juicy stories of absolute stuff ups on your on your trips that you can look back on. And oh yeah, now. sure. I've left a person behind. Yep. Okay, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And you know what? It's the minute that I start <laughs> relaxing myself. I mean, yeah. they are a getaway for me. My food tours are a getaway for me as well because I mean, I'm I'm there drinking campari. I believe you, but I don't believe you because you you just have to be on. You have to be on. And it's like yeah, the it's, whole it's that. time. It's one, two, three, four, so five, you can't. Six, you know, I can't be. I can't be sitting up until midnight drinking or yeah. you know staying out really late or because the next morning I've got to be the one that's on knowing what we're doing getting everyone you know up and how we're going and yeah. don't eat too much for breakfast so we got lunch and then we got cheese tasting and then wine and then yeah but I have yes I did leave one person behind just for one like it was only like two minutes we realized very very quickly and um we went back but then I just kind of said to myself Dom you just you dropped it for like two seconds and that's what happened so it's really because I did count them but I mustn't have counted them <laughs> Please, but please don't let that. Please don't let that deter anybody from you know joining me on tour. But yeah. Look, so what's that? Is that where do, where do people find you for that? So people the, find me on my website. So just I'll look just up Dominic Rizzo, put no my name spell in, that. and you'll just find everything <laughs> okay. on me and my website. It's got all my tour stuff on there, and I'm taking kind of interest. So expressions of interest. If you're interested in doing a tour cooking class, coming to my cooking classes in um, Brisbane, just email me and I'll just put you on my mailing list. And, um, yeah, I've 
got to start my new newsletters and get everything back back and rolling for 2022. Well, I'm going to wish you all the success with that restaurant and the, uh, and, uh, the cooking school and, and the tours because, yeah, you know, thank you. I hope nothing happens next year, fingers crossed. Yeah, I know. But uh, I'm I sure know. you do really, really well. Yeah, thank and, you so much. Um, your energy is amazing. It always has been. And, um, yeah. I I, um, I wish you all the success for next year, and uh, I'm, I'm going to come to the cooking school. So come, yeah, 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 please do. I wanna, I wanna we can come out call up, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's yeah. have some fun and do some stuff. Absolutely, fantastic. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you for being on the broadcast. Yeah, you're welcome.